This is the Law of One session 78. Let's talk about prevail conditions and hopefully we get to matrix and potentiator. Yes, all three of them, all three sets, all three pairs. Let's just begin. We have a very long session today as compared to the other ones, and I'm definitely going to cover this in three parts. So in this one, we're going to dive into, hopefully, I think I'll have enough time to get into Matrix and Potentiator. Uh, they discuss all three of them, all three pairs for mind, body, and spirit. But definitely we're gonna get into the prevail condition, one of my favorite topics, which is the creation and all of this. Somehow, I guess because of my scientific background, I am always excited to talk about the creation, galaxies, and so on. But obviously from a metaphysical point of view, and um, a couple of caveats I'm going to give here. I feel that the more I get into the raw material, meaning the sessions, as I move on deeper and deeper, um, I find that I know very little, <laughs> no surprise, right? So um, just wanted to reiterate that this is my interpretation, especially when we get to the Tarot. Um, oh, we can open all kinds of discussion with the Tarot, I'm sure. So I'm just going to give my perspective. And now, what is my perspective? Just to be completely open with you, my perspective is limited because I haven't been studying this for a long time as others have decades of study and uh, they get into the very esoteric uh, teachings of all of these things. I don't have that. Uh, second, I am heavily, heavily biased and this I can, I can say that also I haven't been say exploring or living all my life like some people have. Um, but I am heavily biased by the non-dual uh, view of reality. So even when I get into the three distortions, the three primal distortions, you will see that I see it from the perspective of pure consciousness and nothing else. So these things are uh, limiting the way I can interpret things, which is just, you see, you know, you. Uh, you, to have um, to have a focus, you have to have a, some sort of predilection, right? And that's mine. So why am I saying this? Because I invite you to check it out for yourself. Just think about it. You know, I mean, uh, I read all of it here, but go read the book as well. Uh, and also, I don't know, uh, let your imagination play because that's this is all about imagination. It's not something serious. I always say it. This study is not something serious. Um, and that's it. So we're going to start with some some questions about maintenance, right, of the contact and that kind of stuff. So let's just start with that and then we'll get into the juicy material that we have. So question one, Don says, was there the same, uh, I correct myself, was there some problem with the ritual performed that it was necessary to perform it twice? 
Ross said there was a misstep, which created a momentary lapse of concentration. This was not well. And so, I don't know how they noticed, to be honest. How they noticed is maybe because they couldn't establish contact and they had to do it twice because there was no communication there. I don't know, but they noticed it and there was a misstep. So let's find out more. Don says, what was the misstep? Ross says, it was a missed footing. So they tripped or took a extra step. No, they miss a step, right? Missed footing. I don't know, but Don says, did this have any detrimental effect on the instrument? And Ross says, very little. The instrument felt the presence it has come to associate with cold and spoke. The instrument did the appropriate thing. So Carla was already, um, I guess she was used already to the, to the feeling of this negative attack that she was having or negative psychic greeting as they call it uh, which I kind of like too psychic greeting uh, it's a it's a sort of um, question that I had for Gary uh, recently because I'm doing the translations into Spanish and then greeting translates as a sort of hello salute and uh, greeting in this context to me content and the way I see it is just it's not a mutual agreement but something just just happens like when you uh, encounter I, I like the synonym encounter right um, it sort of has the same quality of uh, attack an encounter can be an attack or a fight and it also is a simple neutral encounter you know two things meet Right, that's that's what it means. So, Carlo was associated with these uh, sensations already, and um, I guess she did the appropriate thing to greet it in the love and the light of the one infinite creator, and that was it. Now, this is usually the first question that Don asks, but. Um, it's here now. Could you tell me the condition of the instrument? Ross says the physical complex is as previously stated. There is some slight loss of vital energy. The basic complex distortions are similar to your previous asking. So not much uh, change. Some loss of vital energy. And yeah, everything as before. Nothing to get into here. Don says, the instrument would like for me to ask if there is any problem with her kidneys. Ross says, this query is more complex than its brevity certifies. The physical complex renal system of this instrument is much damaged. The time-space equivalent which rules the body complex is without flaw. There was a serious question due to psychic attack as to whether the spiritual healing of this system would endure. It did so, but has the need to be reinforced by affirmation of the ascendancy of the spiritual over the apparent or visible. Wow. When this instrument began ingesting substances designed to heal in a physical sense, among other things, the renal complex, this instrument was ceasing the affirmation of healing. 
Due to this, again, the healing has weakened. This is of some profound distortion and it would be well for the instrument to absorb these concepts. So, um, all right, there is no, it's nothing new to say that Carla had issues with her kidneys since she was a child, I think. And this only exacerbated over time um, for various reasons that I am I'm not familiar with. But uh, let's say, yeah, Ross says that the question is more complex than um, they can talk about it, I guess, at that moment. I mean, really, the question is, are there any problems with my kidneys? <laughs> so a full diagnos diagnosis is it's not possible. So the physical complex renal system is much damaged, okay? The time-space equivalent, which rules the body complex, is without flaw. So how about that? You can have your your physical organs damaged and the time-space equivalent would be fine, I guess. And that causes um, no problems, right? That's, that's how I see it. It seems to be like a balanced thing. And actually, now that I think about it, it sort of explains how people can get away with so much um, physical damage to their bodies and be completely functional. Uh, it's interesting that we're going to get into the matrix of the body today, and I think it has to do with this. Um, but um, yeah, you can have your physical organ pretty much damaged, and the, the time-space equivalent will be without flaw. Now, what does that mean? It seems like it, it is a balanced state because Ra says there was a serious question due to psychic attack as to whether the spiritual healing of this system would endure. She had spiritual healing with Pachita, which we'll talk about here and I've talked about a while ago because they mentioned it too. I think when they talk about uh, Carla's kidneys. So yeah, maybe this, this healing, this mending in the time-space um, continuum was called to question because of this psychic attack. Um, it did so, but has the need to be reinforced. It, it means that it did endure, right? It did endure, but has the need to be reinforced by affirmation of the ascendancy of the spiritual over the apparent or visible. Ah, here's another hint. You see, you there is, of course, a hierarchy, and the spiritual uh, goes over the mind and the body, of course. That goes before anything else. And the mind goes before the body. So the mind reigns the body or rules the body. The body is the creature of the mind, Ra says. So... Mm, so the situation and the way I gather this is because so Carla was her body or physical body was damaged, right? Then her um, her time space, let's say health was fine, so that created a balance, but it was affected due to psychic attack and um, 
And due to the psychic attack, she was called to question because I think the psychic attack always happens in time space. It doesn't happen physically. So it's a sort of time space. Of course, it's mental. It's a mental thing that we have and we need to uh, face it and deal with it appropriately. <clears throat> so, okay, so that, that was that part. Then um, spiritual healing of this system would endure, but it did so uh, and has the need to be reinforced by affirmation. So what is this affirmation? Is it you saying, you know, like it's suggested, you put it on, I mean, it helps, right? Physically, you can say this, but um, I think it's just a state of being. And this, to me, parallels my view on the law of attraction or manifestation, which is really what people use these uh, affirmations for, right? So affirmations is saying, you know, I am powerful, I am all being, I am whatever, I am, or all these things. Well, once again, the ascendancy. Um, if you do the affirmations, just, you know, um, if you give them lip service, I hope I'm using that right. If you give them lip service, uh, just use, you know, from, from the mouth out, then it probably doesn't have much of an impact in your mind. If mentally you're much more determined, right? And you just feel this and you say, I have faith, right? I have faith that this is the true. And you don't say it, you just feel it. And that has a much more powerful effect. And if you simply know it, right? That that's how it is. You don't even have to process it. There is no forcing of it then yes, that would be a uh, much proper way to have this affirmation. You affirm something, you say, you know, are you alive? You say, yes, you know, you don't have to do a mental or physical process, you know, to prove that you're alive. So I, I feel like this is the, um, the manifestation, the mental spiritual manifestation of, um, of agreeing with something, of saying yes, affirmation, right? And again, this parallels a lot the law of manifestation as I understand it from the point of non-duality, consciousness only, and of course the workings of the mind and the body to create the illusion that we are needing something. So it's all about reintegrating yourself with nature. And I don't mean nature going to the forest or jungles or whatever. I mean nature. Nature is your body. Nature is uh, your house, your family, everything. Nature is just everything that surrounds your experience. Yes, plastic included. <laughs> All right, so Ross says, when this instrument began ingesting substance, substances designed to heal in a physical sense, among other things, the renal complex, this instrument was ceasing the affirmation of healing. So whatever happened there, maybe, uh, you call it to question. I don't know, I'm throwing, you know, I'm just speaking my mind here, but I'm saying that uh, this may be also the effect of um, hypochondriac people, right? Of people thinking that they're sick, so they need to take pills and all of this then yes, you are saying to yourself that you're sick and you become sick. Um, the mind is a powerful thing. 
So maybe something like this happened. Carla uh, sort of hesitated, you know, in her own being. And it, this happens. I mean, a doctor comes in with some tests. And especially if you're going to the doctor so often, right? I mean, what's their purpose? Their purpose is not to tell you that you're healthy. Their purpose is to, they're not doing their job. Um, uh, nothing against doctors, but that's what they're designed to do. You know, it's like, they're designed to keep you alive. If you're dying, they feel like they have, they have no idea what to do with you, you know? And so they send you home or they want to give you pills to alleviate the pain. Uh, that's their job, you know? A bird flies, the doctor heals or attempts to heal so you are alive. And so they'll tell you, you know, you have this, you have that. Oh, you can have this. Uh, let's check your, um, your blood work and all this stuff. Now, am I saying, am I suggesting that people don't do this? No, you do your own thing. But I think this causes, um, especially in our, um, what's the word? Uh, paranoid minds. So modern societal uh, paranoid, paranoid minds, we start to get afraid, right? And so we kind of deteriorate our health um, by doing this. So Ra says, due to this, again, the healing was weakened. You kind of um, hesitated on how you felt. And listen, happens to all of us. This is some profound distortion, and it would be well for this instrument to absorb these concepts. Um, again, this is my take. This is what I, I believe it was said here. Um, please doubt it. Uh, take it with a grain of salt. And so that's, uh, that's basically it. That's the message to me. Something else that Ra would say here. They say, we ask your forgiveness for offering information which may abridge free will, but the dedication of the instrument is such that it would preserve, persevere regardless of its condition, if possible. Thusly, we offer this information that it may persevere with a fuller distortion towards comfort. So, yeah, Ram, um, they don't abridge free will easily or uh, often, so... This was one of those occasions where they said, sorry, but Carla would continue to do this, persevere in this contact without taking this into consideration. So we might as well tell her. So she would do it with a fuller awareness of um, what might be more comfortable for her. So yeah, that's it. That's their disclaimer there. All right, let's move on. Question six, Don says, what was the experience that caused the healing of the time-space kidney? Ra says, this experience was the healing of self by self with the catalyst of the spiritual healer whom you call Pachita. Great, so um, now we uh, talk about Pachita, which again, I have very little information about her. I've only, um, I've only read mentions of her here and there, and her um, her ability was apparently unparalleled. And Carla went there. This is actually if you have the book, the original books. It's not in the raw contact. It's in the original raw material, the four or five books. Um, 
in the first one, there is a description of this procedure and how, I think it was Carla and Don that went there, maybe with somebody else, but they definitely went together, if memory serves. And they went to visit this woman, a Mexican healer, a psychic healer, and she was healed of her uh, kidneys, and I think something else. Now, it's very cool. I don't have the book up here, and I won't read it anyways. But go check it out. It's in the first book, Introduction. You have to go through the introduction and see where... I don't know if they mentioned Pachita there, but definitely mention the... I think they do. But in any case, go check it out. It's interesting. And... Something else of interest to mention here is that Ross says, you see, it's not Pachita healed her. The way Ra uh, words things out, it's important. They say, this experience was the healing of self by self. So Carla healed herself with the catalyst. Pachita represented the catalyst of the spiritual healer, which is Pachita. So yeah. Pachita just gave catalyst, and I've explained this previously, and I think it's worth mentioning it again. All you can do to somebody else to heal them is provide catalyst. And that catalyst is the possibility for them to reimagine themselves, no matter how it is. And so that's why I I personally find a lot of um, a lot of my my own contribution to be just listening and giving people a new perspective. But it really is up to the person to see themselves that way. Uh, and that's nothing that I can do better or that they can do better. They're just capable of it or not. And it's a simply a match. So in the end, um, you know, it's... Um, and the word catalyst just works perfectly here because it is a process that is already happening. Right? You don't have to tell anybody this. It's happening to them. But you become a catalyst. And by you becoming the catalyst, they, they can see themselves faster as they're trying to. Because that's, that's all they're trying to. I'll give you an example of this. And this is something that um, in interpersonal relationships you see where the person is desperately wanting them to... Um, they want you to show them something. You see, for example, in the typical uh, toxic relationship, uh, romantic relationship, you will see that the person is constantly um, causing this uh, need for the other person to reject her or reject him. So you are already um, uh, personifying that that rejection and you're giving it to the other person so you can see it see so in the same way when somebody is coming to you for advice they already know what they need to do but you're just there to reinforce it you see so you become the catalyst it's how many times have we heard um, somebody say oh wow I finally get it you know I understand now because this person said it in a different way. <laughs> it's the same thing. But yeah, the catalyst was uh, more efficiently used at that moment. So that's how it is. That's healing. All right, so let's move on to 
question seven. Don says, thank you. In utilizing the energetic displacements of thought forms energizing the instrument during contact most efficiently, what specifically could we do? <laughs> what? Uh, I'll talk about this then. Ross says, each of the support group has an access, uh, an excess of love and light to offer the instrument during the working. Already each sends to the instrument love, light and thoughts of strength and of the uh, physical, mental and spiritual configurations. These sendings are forms. You may refine these sendings until the fullest manifestations of love and light are sent into the energy web of this entity, which functions as instrument. Your exact sending is, in order to be most potent, the creature of your own making. <laughs> this is a very elaborate way of asking, how can I, um, how can I give you more, more love? Basically, it's what Don is saying. How can I give you more love? How can I make you feel better with my own love? Right. And Ra's answer, in a nutshell, is. Uh, everybody is already loving a lot this instrument and for for you to create this more potent you have to be very creative I mean not very creative you have to be uh, let me rephrase that you are the one who shape that um, that love right to to transfer it if you will um, so that's what Don asked, and that's what Ra answered, basically. You see, uh, the wording is so complex. In utilizing the energetic displacements of thought forms, energizing the instruments. So utilizing the energetic displacement, so the movement, the, um, the, the sending of these thought forms, energizing Carla during contact, as Jim would do. Jim was... Uh, few people know this, but Jim would sit there um, during the session doing nothing but meditating or in a meditative state, sending good vibes <laughs> to Carla. Let's put it that way, new agey terms. Um, yeah, just sending love light, which is there having positive thoughts, loving thoughts for Carla and the contact in general, not just Carla. But everything. That's why they were so powerful, the three of them, to channel Ra. And it's not that you can sit there and replicate this. I mean, you could, maybe, potentially. Uh, I'm not saying you can't, but um, there was something very specific that the three had for a love for this contact more than anything else, which is quite rare. What specifically could we do then? Um, in this scenario, and then Ra gives the elaborate answer, of course, that each of the support group has an excess of love and light to offer to the, in to the instruments during the working. So, self-explanatory. Everybody already sends enough, uh, not enough, but instrument love. Each sends to the instrument love, light, and thoughts of strength of the physical, mental, and spiritual configuration. So, everybody's doing it fine. These sendings are forms. You may refine these sendings until the fullest manifestation of love and light are sent into the energy web of this entity, which functions as instrument. So yeah, you can refine it. Um, I guess it goes from zero sending 
until you think about someone and you say, oh, I hope they're doing well. That's a sort of initial sending, I suppose. And then you can energize this even more by the power of will and meditation. You see, if you can have that narrow focus and just have no other thought but that. Um, I think this is um, this is due to two things. This empowering, right? This narrow focus. One is the uh, interest that you have on the topic. If you have no interest, or not the topic, but the interest that you have on uh, whatever the, the goal is, the focus is. So if you have a lot of interest, like Jim, for example, had for the contact, then he was capable of giving a lot of, I mean, his full energy to it. Um, and the other element to me is the practice, of course. You have to practice this. You have to, um, this is where Ra recommends meditation with a symbol, could be anything, could be, I don't know, a Lego piece, it could be Christ, it could be uh, a rock, it could be a waterfall, it could be anything that you just want to maintain as an image in your head, in your mind. Um, and yes, just keep it there. And that would strengthen your capacity of um, visualizing and maintaining your focus on a visualization. So in the same way, when you send love and light, this can be refined like this, you know, when you're, uh, your thoughts are going in that direction of, uh, in this case, you're sending good vibes to somebody. And then finally, yes, the, um, the exact sending is the creature of your own making. So how you do it, nobody can tell you. You have to figure it out yourself and, you know, just like it. You know, it's not, you're not doing work here. You're, I mean, work in the sense that it's not something that should make you feel, oh, I got to do this. You want to do it. So, yeah, be, be creative and have fun with it more than anything have fun with it just enjoy it all right next question question eight don says okay thank you i'm going to go back to an earlier time if you could call it that in the evolution to try to establish a very fundamental base for some of the concepts that seem to be the foundation of everything that we experience here so that we can more fully examine the basis of our evolution. Long question here. Don says, I am guessing that in our Milky Galaxy, Milky Way Galaxy, by the way, the answer to this is correct. So keep that in mind as you listen or read. So I repeat, Don's question is, I am guessing that in our Milky Way Galaxy, that is, the major galaxy with billions of stars that we find ourselves in. And Don had to make this emphasis because Ra calls galaxies to even star systems. So, and there's a reason for that, but in any case. So in our galaxy, the progress of evolution was from the center outward toward the rim. And that in the early evolution of this galaxy, the first distortion was not extended down past the sub logos 
simply because it was not thought of or not conceived, and that this extension of the first distortion, which created the polarization that we experience, was something that occurred at what we would call a later time, or as the evolution progressed uh, outward from the center of the galaxy. Am I in any way correct in this, with this statement? Ross says, you are correct. I'm sorry. For those who are watching, there it is. You are correct. Okay, so... Um, yeah, this is a part of the creation that I was excited to talk about. So we're talking about something specific here, which was the evolution... Um, of the veil right that's what don is asking because at the beginning again we talked about a moment in which there was no veil of forgetting now there is and that's what don is referring to here right because he says early evolution of this galaxy the first distortion was not extended down past the sub logos so once again this is important to remember for tarot or archetypical mind stud students because this is the moment where there was no 21 archetypes there was a significator a matrix and a potentiator for all three this is because there was no veil between the conscious and the unconscious mind that's why it's called the archetypical mind and that drew the um, experience that we have now as humans. Third density, of course, this is all related to third density. Now, how other logos or logoi um, distribute their archetypes, I'm not sure. That's way beyond my pay, um, my pay rate here. <laughs> um, but uh, this was pre-veil, right? What they're talking about. And then post-veil is when they extended uh, the first distortion. Now, um, I remember listening to Scott Mandelker and he had a, an issue with the first distortion being not being extended there. And I, I understand his point of view, but my view is that the first distortion as they um, and again, this is just my interpretation of it. Um, he thought that it meant that we had no free will. Um, you see, it's not that some things have free will and others don't. Free will is the first distortion. So you couldn't have anything without free will. I think this misinterpretation of what is the extension of the first distortion is due to a very natural inherent way of seeing the creation from the separation perspective in other words to think that other things can exist that don't have um, free will and that's why scott uh, naturally wants to correct it and say everything has free will um, and but if we don't think that way if we simply know that free will is the nature of reality. There is no, no free will. The free will that is extended here is the capacity to become a uh, sub-sub 
logos. You see, why? Because the sub-sub logos has the capacity to say, I am independent and I can do whatever I want, right? Whereas before they couldn't, not totally. Uh, now, I'm not sure if this term is appropriate to call them sub-sub logos, um, but I would think so because you have to have a sort of independent mind. You see, this son has a relative independent mind from the, the, the center of the galaxy. Why? Because it can play with the archetypes and it does so. Every star does so. Um, but they don't have a veil, of course. It's, it's all different. The point here is that when the first distortion is extended, it's given to the mind-body-spirit complex to have the capacity to feel itself as an independent agent of reality. And that's what we feel, right? We can get into the notion that we are separate and that we um, are just beings that somehow will evolve and all of this. Um, I have my own, um, let's say, contention against the, the idea of, and this is, this is nothing new. This is a transmigrational, uh, transmigration of the soul, right? That the soul goes, like me, me as a soul will travel. Uh, I think there is a very deep philosophical uh, discussion here at hand, but I don't believe that we carry out, carry over our personalities. And um, this is, again, tied into the first distortion, but I won't get into that. The thing is that I, uh, I believe that, yes, there is a... Um, I know I'm getting off track here, but I just want to finish this point. That there is a movement that certainly reincarnates what we call reincarnation. Um, there is a metaphysical movement. For example, there is a metaphysical nature to a seed, uh, to a, an acorn, right? The classical acorn that has a metaphysical intrinsic movement of how it's going to develop into a, an oak. So it's there, you know, it's not, we can't break it down and say like, oh, this goes there, this goes there, you know, we just know that, yeah, the DNA that is present there is going to move in a specific way, but where, where is the music being played? Well, that's metaphysical. So it is there and you, kind of become that acorn when you die. But does that mean that the acorn is the same or the oak is the same one? Yes and no at the same time. It is not the same personality. It doesn't have the same personality, although it may act in the same way. But it is true that it's the same self because there is no other self. There is just consciousness. So as you are aware, I am aware. And when you die and I die, well, our movement, the imprint that we had on this universe will continue and the same awareness will move it, you see? So I think that's in a nutshell, no pun intended. <laughs> that's how I, um, I wanted to describe it. So in any case, um, so Don's question is correct and it depicts the um, I didn't even explain this. So it's easy. Um, 
prior to the veiling, there was no idea that we could veil the creation. And so the self was living this boring, <laughs> this boring creation of everybody knowing, knowing that they were the creator. And then he said, or she said, or he, it said, whatever. Um, it simply said, awareness said, oh, uh, let me get lost here, right? I'm just going to get lost in my own creation. And so we have third density. Uh, third density veiled, of course. So, all right. Let's move on. We have another question like this. We're done, says, in question nine. Now, we have the first, second, and third distortions of free will, love, and light. Am I correct in assuming that the central core of this major galaxy began from with the third distortion? That was the origin of our Milky Way galaxy. Ra says, in the most basic or teleological sense, you are incorrect, as the one infinite creator is all that there is. In an undistorted seed form, you are correct in seeing the first manifestation visible to the eye of the body complex which you inhabit as the third distortion. Light, or to use a technical term, limitless light. What an answer, huh? <laughs> so, okay, first, second, and third distortion, free will, love, and light. Don asks if, um, Assuming the central core of this major galaxy began began to form with the third distortion. Um, yeah, so <laughs> Ra says in a teleological or basic sense you're incorrect. So basically you're incorrect, but in another sense you are. Well, teleological is um, it's a sort of branch of philosophy that speaks or talks about uh, the purpose of things. Things have a purpose, like that's their purpose and that's their, their goal. Um, so from that sense, no, it's not that light was the first thing. It was the one infinite creator, of course. Uh, it's all that there is. There is that's, that's the beginning, right? That is, isn't that what gave form, right? Began, uh, I'm assuming, that was the origin of our Milky Way galaxy. No. The origin of everything is the one infinite creator. Now, what is that? That's uh, available to us as awareness. See, the one infinite creator is aware. The one infinite creator is infinity, intelligent infinity, if you will, in the model of the law of one. But it is Brahman, it is God, Allah, uh, everything even the sun when we worship the sun we were quite quite correct there because that is the local manifestation full manifestation of the one infinite creator uh, but it's not just the sun of course it's uh, every sun and every galaxy and every iota of the creation is is this it's just it is everything is awareness there is no space in awareness you see there is no distance in awareness. There is no time in awareness. Uh, everything is. There is no, uh, no, no nothingness. There is no void. 
meaning that there is no nothingness. There is, there is not the possibility of no thing. Everything is. There is no essence. You see, um, the essence is an illusion that creates the possibility of experience. It's so obvious <laughs> when you see it. It's like, oh yes, everything is. There is no isn't. Um, in the Bhagavad Gita, if I let's see if I remember it well, they say that which is never ceases to be. That which isn't never comes into existence. I think it's what it says. It's the same thing, you know. That which is never ceases to be. Um, it is. It can't cease to exist. It's awareness. And everything being awareness, then nothing really uh, dies. Nothing really changes, to be honest. It's just an illusion of change. That's what's called Maya. Um, and that which is not, then never comes into existence. For example, uh, um, I don't know, space, distance between us. No, it never came into existence. Time has never existed. Space has never existed <laughs> uh, from a teleological sense. That is, that is, you know, I would say this is correct. What, I, what I'm saying, not what Don said. <laughs> so the purpose of creation is to simply be as it is. And this is why we get into our mystical teachings to just be. Be one with the creation. If you know it's uh, raining fire, then it's raining fire, and go with it. You know if it's uh, flowery smells, then it's flowery smells, and if it's uh, death and decay, and then it's death and decay, and if there is uh, I don't know blossoming and blooming and beauty all around, and there is that. You know, just go with that. So uh, then Ra explains that. In an undistorted seed form, you are correct in seeing the first manifestation visible to the eye of the body complex which you inhabit as the third distortion, light. And I love that they use limitless light as a te technical term. <laughs> um, yeah, you see, scientists um, would not agree with this because, you know, the end of the universe is heat death. Oh my God, it is so obvious that we we are so um, <laughs> we're so gloomy with our science. Of course, it represents our minds. Our minds is just nihilistic in this sense, you know. Um, so limitless light is yes, you know that, that's that's the nature of sunlight. It's limitless. Oh, but the sun is going to die and all of that. Yeah, but where is the source of that? source of that is what you call space and even scientists would say yeah space will remain after heat death well space is the nature of light did you know that um so yeah in um in from the standpoint of humans then light was yes the first manifestation of the galaxy because from from our point of view light was the first thing that's simple to understand. All right, let's brush over some tarot. Question 10, Don says, Now, I realize that we are on very difficult ground, you might say, for precise terminology here, since it is totally displaced from our system of coordinates for evaluation in our present system of language. Whew. 
Is this raw or done? My God. These early Logoi that form in the center of the galaxy wished, I assume, to create a system of experience for the one creator. Did they then start with no previous experience or information about how to do this? This is difficult to ask. Ra says, at the beginning of this creation, or as you may call it, octave, there were those things known which were the harvests of the preceding octave. About the preceding creation, we know as little as we do of the octave to come. However, we are aware of those pieces of gather concept which we were the tools which were which were the tools which the creator had in the knowing of the self. My god. Reading dot exe has stopped working. Okay, so some context here. Uh, let's see. Okay, so at the beginning of this creation, or as you call, let's go back to Don's question, which is pretty heavy. So he wants to know basically if the the logoi they started, uh, and I have some insights on this. Um, did they have any knowledge prior to um, to the um, what's it called? Yes, to the to the veil, right? This is not what he says. I assume to create a system of experience. Did they have no previous experience of information about how to do this? No, this is not talking about veiling, is it? For evaluation in our present system of language. Okay, I'm not going to read that first part of the paragraph because that's just Don with his verbiage. Really cool, but unnecessary. All right, these early logoi that form in the center of the galaxy wish to create a system of experience for the one creator. Right, so no, no, well, it is prevail, but not at the point where they were figuring out the, the veiling system. Okay, so we just go into how was the creation um, at the beginning, right? And now Ra has to go to this octave. Why? Because I believe that, and this is really interesting, metaphysically speaking, um, in terms of knowledge of the creation, you would think that we would have access, at least in sixth density, um, we would have access to the experience prior to this octave. Now, what is this octave? When they refer to this octave, I am uh, heavily in favor with the idea that this octave refers to the Big Bang, right? That's the reference that we have. That Big Bang where everything just started. Right? It didn't start from nothing. It started from a previous experience. Because Ra has explained that the creation is like heartbeat. It pulses, right? And so between pulses, there is a stop, right? That stop is the big crunch. And then there is a big bang. Creation, big crunch. And it keeps going on and on. They call it the, the heartbeat of the creator imaginations I would say and so in 
Oof. Yeah, this is this is very profound. <laughs> um, every every pulse is a creation. So we don't know anything from the prior pulse, right? And we only know of this pulse that is happening right now. But we know um, some stuff that was gathered out of that prior um, pulse. That's what Ra is saying here. At the beginning of this creation, or as you may call it, octave, there were those things known which were the harvest of the preceding octave. Okay, so we kind of know the fruits of the prior octave, but not the experiences, it seems. About the preceding creation, we know as little as we do of the octave to come. Right, we don't know anything about the, the next octave, which is already happening, because it's not a linear thing, I'm sorry. <laughs> we need to um, lose dimensions to give analogies and the analogy of the heartbeat is limited because it seems linear but it's not linear i promise you that so limitations of the mind involved in the creation that's what i would call it however we are aware of those pieces of gathered concept which were the tools which the creator had in the knowing of the self okay so which are these tools Ross says, these tools were of two kinds. Firstly, there was an awareness of the efficiency for experience of mind, body, and spirit. Secondly, there was an awareness of the most efficacious nature, or if you will, significator of mind, body, and spirit. Thirdly, there was the awareness of two aspects of mind. Uh, this is funny. <laughs> Aspects of mind, of body, and of spirit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'll share the joke in a bit. Let me finish this professionally. <laughs> um, let's read them again. You'll see why I'm reading. Uh, I'm laughing. These tools were of two kinds. Firstly, there was an awareness of the efficiency of experience of mind, body, and spirit. Okay. Secondly, there was an awareness of the most efficacious nature or, if you will, significator of mind, body, and spirit. Thirdly, there was the awareness of two aspects of mind, of body, and of spirit that the significator could use to balance all catalysts. You may call these two the matrix and potentiator. Uh, the reason why I'm laughing is because uh, that's why I put the red asterisk there. Ra mentions two kinds and then they... Uh, they say three <laughs> and Jim has joked that um, I believe it's Jim I got this from the law of one info uh, site where they have a note that says that uh, the scribe jokes that Ra could not count beyond one <laughs> I think that was Jim Jim's the scribe um, so yeah they, they can't count past one <laughs> uh, that's stupidly funny i like it so yeah there's three things so what were these three things uh first, firstly there was an awareness of the efficiency for experience of mind body and spirit okay so we were aware that there was an efficiency of experiencing mind body and spirit okay so we kind of synthesized those three uh, secondly there was an awareness of the most efficacious nature of um 
or significator of mind, body, and spirit. So there was an awareness of the most efficacious nature or why or I would think that secondly there was an awareness of the most efficacious nature or significator of mind, body and spirit. Ah, okay. So yes, the um the most efficacious nature for the experience, right? Which was the significator of mind, body, and spirit, which to my recollection is the, um, it's sort of like the changing uh, persona in the archetypical mind, right? It, it is the self, but in the changing form. Um, it's the one that is gathering everything from, from the first four, uh, what is called a minor cycle, according to um, Joseph Dartes. Thirdly, there was the awareness of two aspects of mind, of body, and of spirit that the significator could use to balance all catalysts. You may call these two the matrix and potentiator. So this is pre-veil uh, mind, body, spirit entities. They're not complex because they don't have the veil. And so they don't have experience and catalysts as archetypes. But there is some sort of catalyst going on, right? Because Ra mentions it, but it's not an archetype in and of itself. And um, kudos to this. I mean, just perfect. Look at this. This is uh, I copy and paste from from the uh, from the text in in the raw context. So look at how catalyst is here. Catalyst is with lowercase, so it's not as a significator, right? Which is uh, what's it called caps mayuscula in spanish why because catalyst is not an archetype here it's just simply catalyst that was happening to the significator prior to the veil post veil then catalyst becomes an archetype and so is experience so you know this gives you hints as to how experience was pre-veil and then post veil so yeah, these are the three uh, concepts that were gathered from the prior octave. Um, the awareness of the efficiency of experience of mind, body, and spirit. Uh, then the awareness of the most efficacious nature, uh, significator of mind, body, and spirit. And then the awareness of two aspects of mind, of body, and of spirit. So these, the, this last one is the... Um, the matrix and potentiator. So these two were kind of um, synthesized back then, and yes, you know they were helpful. They were they were pretty pretty useful. We'll get into matrix and potentiator actually in the next video because we reached the hour, and I don't want to get into it uh, rushed. So I'll probably this may even turn into a four uh, part session. I don't know. It's a long session. So we'll see, doesn't matter. My point is that, um, yes, this kind of primes us for the next video, um, the next part where I'll talk about matrix and potentiator of both, uh, not both, all three, mind, body, and spirit. So yeah, I think we'll end it at this, right? I think it's, uh, it's appropriate. So. The next question is going to be to elaborate more on the nature and quality of the matrix 
and the potentiator. So again, I don't want to make this way too long because there are at least two questions here. And then we go back to before the veil or something like that. We'll see. But those two, they're going, they're going to be the um, yeah the red carpet for the next video. So that's it. Let's end this here. Conclusions. Um, nothing comes really to mind, to be honest. Uh, we explored mostly the... Uh, uh, let me give a conclusion that is a little bit different than I usually give. And it's just the... Um, Actually, it's not too different, but I just want to um, give my view, okay? So I want to give you my view here. Let's do this. Yes, let's have fun with this. I am a practical man. I love things that are easily understood and don't get lost too much into the interpretation of... Um, that's why, to me, the Tarot is not really... It's not my cup of tea. I don't know about the tree of life, but maybe the tree of life might be, or, or even astrology might be a little bit more my, I don't know, I'm not sure. Maybe the archetypical mind is not my thing. Uh, but I like practical stuff. And a lot of what I talked about, and this is not about the archetypical mind, but about uh, the first three distortions. We think free will, love and light a sequence it's not a sequence really it's a it's a process it's something that happens you see now how do i see it in my model of reality there is just pure consciousness there's nothing else okay now consciousness modulates itself into uh, movement for it to have movement it needs to have space and once it creates space or distance within itself, then it has the possibility of measuring time. So space-time happens, right? In your imagination, there is timelessness and space, spacelessness or spaciousness, whatever you want to see it, both equal, right? Uh, there is all the time in the world and then there is no time, so infinity. That's your imagination. The moment you imagine something, you need to create space and time. Things need to happen sequentially. And there needs to be space for these things to happen. So that is awareness, that is consciousness. We experience the creation through the eye of the self, awareness. All that we see is in fact awareness. There is no awareness of things. There is simply awareness of itself. So the creator, awareness, is aware of itself. It's knowing itself. Everything clicks here. This is why I love this model, because it's so simplistic. And yet, it is the most powerful for me to live life from a non-dual perspective. Again, I'm just a practical man. I just like things simple. <laughs> Now, how can all this fit into the free will, light, or love and light? Well, first of all, free will is inherent in awareness. Awareness becoming aware of itself, right? It's not inherent in uh, infinity because infinity is just infinity. There is no quality. But free will 
is a sort of first distortion. Yes, you have to come out of infinity, of the infinity, which is <laughs> unimaginable, right? That's why infinity has no imagination. Infinity is infinity. For it to have imagination, it must have free will. So it actually clicks perfectly. It's unimaginable. So, all right, we have free will, and now we have the capacity to uh, will our um, desires. That desire is to, well, the first thing is love. Love is not a feeling. Love is simply a, a focus, right? That's what Ra explains as a, uh, one of the first distortions, or the three distortions. Love is a focus. It, it sort of uh, gathers its, its awareness into one particular thing. That is what creates light. Light shines. So from you, you can go back to infinity knowing that you can, you can realize that you yourself are infinite. There is nothing there. When you go inside, there is nothing. There is no thing. So that's infinity. Now free will says, oh, I want to experience things. And so there is a focus. So everything that you have focus on, anything, Anything that you, whether it be the physical reality or your mind or fantasies or uh, thoughts or desires or whatever it is, all of that is born out of love. You cannot escape love in this context because love is not a feeling. Love is a focus. Ra calls it choice of attack. Uh, I kind of like that. <laughs> the choice, it's your choice choice of focus, of narrowing your attention, your awareness, you're bringing your attention to that. That is love. And then how is love seen? Through light, love light, right? Everything that you see or you think has a sort of objective quality. That is light. That is infinite light. It is uh, limitless light, as Ra explained, because guess what? There is, there is no limit as to how much awareness can be aware of itself because its source is infinite. So this is how I approach this in a very practical sense and to know that you can live this. This is not some esoteric stuff that, well, Gabe, when I get to seven density, you know, me, the third density human who is here on probation because the planet Earth is a school and you know we're here, blah, 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 blah. I don't like those stories, planet Earth, school, prison, and all. It's a poetic way to see it. But again, I'm a practical man, <laughs> and I don't like those kind of mythologies. They start to sink too much into the psyche of people, and it gets lost there. And in that, I mean, I'm not saying that it's anything wrong. It's the, crea <laughs> the creator experiencing that. But for the people who want to see the truth, let's make it simple. And this is how I put it. So yes, those are the three distortions, the first three distortions, which again, it's nothing that it's out of this world, is happening right now. You can see uh, infinity within you, you can see free will, you can see love, and you can see light all working together uh, in tandem. It's a symphony of life. All right, that's it. That's my rant for the conclusion. I hope it was helpful to put into context. I know it is. I know it is. I know it always is. So with that being said, I will repeat. This will probably take me four parts. We'll see. 
It depends on what the other questions are. But the next video, uh, we're going to talk about matrix and potentiator to begin with. So thank you for being with me. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to people in Spotify who have been listening to this. Uh, I initially started this in YouTube and there is now thousands of people listening to this in Spotify. I'm grateful for that. Uh, I'm actually very grateful to the anonymous person who suggested, actually he's not anonymous, I, I just don't remember his name, <laughs> who suggested to me that I put this on Spotify. So I'm glad this is reaching uh, to all of you uh, listeners out there. Um, please, I'm, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm getting more and more into Instagram because it's like my uh, my space in which to um, put out my work and show you what I do. And so uh, if you're interested, go check it out. You know, you don't have to follow me, although it makes it easier, of course, to follow me there. Just like if you subscribe, you know, you get notifications and all of that. So likewise, in Instagram, you can get there and you can see what I'm doing. Um, what am I doing? Just to give you a little uh, snapshot of it. I am working with the direct path, which is, I gave you a hint of that in this conclusion. And that is just to show you that uh, whatever, wherever you are in your seeking, uh, seeking means that you haven't found something, right? You're looking for something. So what is it that you're looking for? Well, nothing but the self, as I explained already. And if you are still seeking for something, uh, you feel that you know, you're incomplete somehow, you still have this sense of lack and all of that, it's because you haven't touched with yourself. Um, you haven't been with your true self. And it is so easy. It's so easy that I need to com uh, complicate <laughs> into a method, <laughs> honestly. But we learn that way. And um, the methodology is there as a tool, but it's not the essence of it. So I'm offering you the tool. Um, you can check it out on my Instagram, like I said. Uh, it's very succinct, and I like it the way I'm, I'm presenting it there. So go check it out, uh, see if it resonates. Uh, you can contact me on a direct message if you want to work with me, if you want to see how I can help you. I'm doing um, a whole program with this direct path, and I would love for you to join if you want to. I have limited, of course, uh, time to work with people, so I can only coach a certain amount of people so if you're interested don't wait until uh, more people join and then I have I don't have time because um, I'm doing this one-on-one -on -one right now eventually it'll probably evolve into something else but right now it's one-on-one uh, -on -one, so it's me with you and let's do it man let's get this rolling stop the seeking that's my mod my motto and the seeking already stop seeking how long are you gonna be out there seeking Stop calling yourself a spiritual seeker. Uh, call yourself a finder, you know, a finder of truth. That's what I am. Oh, no, not even that. Identities. All right, we'll talk all of that <laughs> when you contact me. All right, have a good day, good night, whatever it is where you are at. And that's it. I'll see you in second part of session 78.